Come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. In the final analysis, if we really get down to the most fundamental level, there's really only two paths in life. There's really only two ways to live. And there's really ultimately only two possibilities of the outcome. There's only two possible destinations. There's a lot of different ways that we can kind of describe those two paths, those two ways, those two ends, different images. One that Jesus uses in the gospel in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, it's kind of in the middle of chapter seven of Matthew's gospel. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The only two paths in life are basically walking towards God or walking away from God. Living in a way that is primarily about God's will or living in a way that is primarily about my will seeking to serve God and others, or serving myself. And the only two possible destinations of these two paths are heaven and hell. This really is the stark reality of our existence. And the gospel and and the New Testament and the Bible is constantly reminding us of these truths because it can be so easy for us to just get caught in the day-to-day that we sometimes are not always aware of where we're actually going. Which path are we truly on? The way that Jesus describes these two paths is that one is easy and one is hard. And it's a bit counterintuitive to us because the easy path leads to destruction. It's a path that is primarily about self-interest, right? Seeking comfort and ease and my own desires and seeking my own pleasure, doing what I want, doing what feels good to me. Whereas the hard path that leads to life is really the path of the cross, right? It's following the path that Jesus has laid out for us, one of self-denial, of sacrificial love, of laying down our life, denying ourselves for the sake of God and his will. And these are the two paths that we have to choose. Our readings today kind of speak about this, and and St. Paul in our second reading gives us another way of just kind of distinguishing these two paths, these two ways. That second reading, St. Paul to the Colossians, he said, if you were raised with Christ, seek what is above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is of earth. So another way we could just kind of describe or distinguish these two paths is, are we living our life primarily for heaven? 
Or are we living our life primarily for earth? Are we living our life for eternity and and making choices and decisions uh, in light of eternity? Or are we just living for the here and the now, the present moment, and not truly remembering what the Gospels, what the Bible tells us so very, very clearly that one day we will come before God. There will be a judgment. And if we live our life in light of that judgment and if we strive to live in a way that we know leads to heaven, then there's nothing to be afraid of. But rather, if we are living primarily as if heaven didn't exist, as if all we have is what's right in front of us, if we're living a life primarily for earth, right? then woe is us. So St. Paul goes on to tell us how we need to put to death then the parts of you that are earthly. And he lists some out, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and the greed that is idolatry. And that greed will come up again in the gospel. But first I want to just mention and point out that Uh, This passage from Colossians, the way they put it together in the lectionary, uh, unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, they left a couple verses out. They skipped over a few verses. And they skipped over the the following verse that I I think is actually pretty important because right after saying that, St. Paul says this, because of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient. We don't, we don't like to talk about this a whole lot, but we need to be reminded that there are consequences to living in our, li- our life in a way that is disobedient to God's commands, that is not seeking Him, that when we walk a path away from Him, there are consequences. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we talk about sin, because we love. We don't want people to experience that final judgment in a way that leads to hell. And so we remind people that sin has consequences and that we have to be willing to travel that hard path to seek the narrow gate, which involves putting to death our selfish, sinful desires. And so Jesus brings this home very clearly, uh, specifically with the sin of greed in our gospel where he warns us against greed, against seeking uh, our, our value and our worth and our, our happiness in possessions. So he tells this story of a, a farmer who brings in a bountiful harvest. But instead of giving thanks to God, instead of saying, how can I use this uh, gift that God has given me to, to take care of the poor? He, he wants to use it all for himself. So he builds bigger barns, he stores up all his goods, and then he just wants to live the good life, right? Rest, eat, drink, be merry, enjoy yourself. A message that we we hear pretty often in the world through the media and advertisement. But what does God say to him? You fool, this night your life will be required of you and all of your possessions will not help you at all, right? You've heard it a thousand times. We can't take it with us, And so we need to be on guard against uh, greed and possessions and wealth kind of becoming an idol, becoming something that we seek 
not so that we could do good with it, right? Serving the God, uh, God and, and the poor, taking care of the church, taking care of the fam- our family, but, but seeking it just for ourselves so that we can, you know, store up lots of possessions. So be on guard against greed. Maybe that's not your particular struggle. Maybe you don't deal a whole lot with an inordinate attachment to possessions or money. But what is your idol? What is the thing in your life that can get in the way of you following Christ? We all need to be aware of what our struggles are, what our temptations are. Maybe it's greed, maybe it's pride or anger or lust or gluttony, the seven deadly sins or so many other things that we can become attached to that can lead us down the path that leads away from God. This is what our readings this Sunday uh, want us to be aware of, to warn us against, that we're called to live for heaven, that we're called to always keep our eternal destination in mind. These readings are actually somewhat providential in in talking about one final topic that I want to just kind of close with, and it's something you've been hearing about now for months. We've had two different messages from the bishop, and it is the upcoming Value Them Both amendment vote uh, that's taking place on Tuesday. And as a church, as a people of faith, we are unapologetically pro-life. But I think we need to understand what are, the, what are the underlying causes? What is the root of this reality of abortion in our country and around the world? And, and why is it that so many people are adamantly defending the so-called right to abortion? Because it's so much more than just a political disagreement. We have to go to the root if we want to truly take away the cause. And I think our readings actually help us understand some of the causes and motivation behind right, the abortion industry and the, the efforts to protect abortion in our country. And obviously there are many, it's a very complicated issue, but there are a couple in our readings that I think are pertinent to reflect upon. And the first is actually greed, what our readings kind of explicitly discuss. What's the connection between abortion and greed? Is there one? Well, what's the number, what's one, I shouldn't say the number one because there are many. What's one of the main reasons people tend to be hesitant about welcoming another child into the world? It's money. It's finances. Children are expensive. One of the consistently common top reasons that women give for why they got an abortion was money, was finances. They didn't think that they could afford it. Well, maybe they couldn't, but God could. God has all the money in the world. But if we value finances and money more than life, we've fallen into this trap of greed, of of making money an idol. Did you know that the abortion industry is a billion-dollar industry in terms of the revenue that is brought in every year because of abortion? It's billions of dollars. 
Do you think that might have something to do with those uh, kind of the CEOs, the heads, the politicians that are so adamantly defending this? Right? Money is involved, not just with this, but as we know, with so many of the problems in the world, when the lowly and the, the downtrodden are oppressed by those in power. And so we need to be on guard against greed, and we need to be generous right, with our financial support, helping those who find themselves in those difficult situations where they don't feel like they can handle it on their own. We need to be there to support them and help them. There's actually a, another connection between abortion and something that St. Paul said in that second reading. But again, unfortunately, the way it gets translated kind of uh, doesn't really get us to the heart of what St. Paul is saying. Right, so he said, put to death the parts of you that are earthly. And then he, he lists immorality, which is kind of general, right? Aren't all of them kind of immoral? The actual Greek word that he uses is fornication, sexual immorality. And almost every other English translation translates it that way. Right? That's one of the things that St. Paul is warning against. And that's one of the things that we are constantly warned against in the New Testament. Perhaps we haven't reflected upon this, but there is a, a causal relationship between sexual immorality and abortion. Because people find themselves in situations where they've gotten pregnant, right, and they're not in, the vast majority of the time, a stable, healthy marriage. They've not been living according to God's plan for human sexuality. And I wanted to kind of know what the numbers were, so I looked it up. There's a, a research institute called the Guttmacher Institute that uh, explicitly works for Planned Parenthood. So they have all the statistics. And the number of abortions that take place outside of marriage, right, where the mother is single or cohabiting but not married, is 86%. Right, 86% of abortions take place as a backup to sexual immorality, right? To, to living outside of God's plan for our human sexuality and for marriage. And so if we wanna work towards an end to abortion, if we wanna work towards an end for why people feel like they need to get an abortion, we have to get to the root cause. We have to return to God's plan, to his design, to his will, Right, for our sexuality, uh, for our money, right, for our choices, for how we live our life. Because this is ultimately, as I mentioned, not primarily a political battle. Right? Our enemy is not the other side. We're not fighting against people. Right? We're not against women. We're not against freedom or choice. It's a spiritual battle. Right? It's against sin. It's against evil, it's against corruption, it's against death. And again, St. Paul reminds us of this in a, a different letter. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, it's not about against other humans, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? Our battle is against Satan and his demons, and all those who are promoting this evil. And so we have to pray, right? We have to vote, 
right? Please get out and vote. Early voting's actually already started. You can vote at the courthouse uh, at least Monday morning until noon. Then you have to wait till Tuesday. But please get out and vote yes so that we can protect women and unborn children. But we also have to pray. So please, today, tomorrow, Tuesday, please pray in a particular way, in an intentional way, right? For the victory of life, please pray for parents, especially for mothers who find themselves in these incredibly difficult situations and feel like they don't have any other option, right? Pray for healing and forgiveness for those who have already had abortions, that they could know that Christ loves them, that he wants to forgive them. Pray for conversion, for repentance, for all those who promote and perform abortions. Pray for our country, that all of us could return to God, that we could walk the, the hard path, that we could find the narrow gate that Christ promises us leads to life.